with Arnie and Randy gone, that what happens at Crossroads stays at Crossroads. <laughs> and uh, I've got a few moments. I want to tell you something just dumb I did today, if that's okay. Let me just to preface. Um, I consider myself, you know, fairly smart, and I have a good job, and I've raised kids and all, but you know that that blonde thing just comes through, even though it's mostly gray covered up now, but... Uh, a couple of months ago, does anybody know what gel nails are? The girls do. It, you use it with an ultraviolet light, right? They tell you, don't ever look into the light. Don't look into the ultraviolet light. You can not don't look into the light of Jesus. Look into the ultraviolet. You know, it's, could, serious harm could happen. So, of course, I kind of tripped over the wire, and the thing fell off the table. And, um, you know, they're not cheap, but they're not expensive, but they're still an outlay of money. And it was like, oh man. And I thought, gosh, I wonder if I broke it. And it, I yanked it out of the wall. And I, I, so I went back to the socket and put it in. I wonder if it works. <laughs> it worked. Do you get my drift? I didn't see for about an hour and a half. And I thought, this is what a trip is like. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Been there enough. Well, today, I thought, well, I'll be helpful. I'll make the coffee. So I go back there, and I'm doing all this. And I, and I, the first few pots were easy. And then I just did hot water. Thankfully, it wasn't coffee, but it was hot. And I'm carrying I'm back to the little place over there. And I, it's just not on right. Teresa, it just wasn't on right. And I knew something was wrong. So I'm jiggling, and I'm kind of slamming, and I'm standing there. Well, I'll see if it works now. All down the front. Oh, my gosh. So, anyway, just want to say, if you hit a slippery spot back over there, it's the coffee. That didn't get as big as laugh, but I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> it was all over my boots. It was all over. Um, I love that um, video of Taiwan. That is our second home. Those are all places that are very familiar to me, all places I love. From day one, uh, Scott Conival, the guy that you saw there, just a quality man of God, you know, an American. He's from Hollister, California, living his life out with his beautiful wife and his three kids, raising them there. Um, and our good friend, friends, Don and Denise Gilman, who started the youth with a mission base. And then Don just unexpectedly dying about two years ago. And I think some of you might remember that Sunday. It happened the night before and Randy coming in just weeping. Because what a giant in the faith literally spoke to the nations and had a tremendous outreach to the Muslims in various parts of the world. And, and that base there is a base of about 200. And pe young people come from all over Europe, all over South America, North America, from the um, whole of Asia to reach out to short-term -term missions. And it's such a privilege for us to go. And it, to me, it was so great that you could see Scott, our good friend. And my hope and prayer is that some of you guys will one day do a DTS with them, a five-month short-term mission. It's just phenomenal, just absolutely amazing. Well, I would have you turn today, if you would. We're going to do a short teaching in Ephesians. But where I want you to turn first is Romans 8. And don't be, if you have, if anybody needs a Bible, we've got ushers here that have them. You've got them, I know, on your phones. But if you need to raise your hand, you need a hard copy of a Bible, we'd love for you to have it. 
and you actually, you know, what does Randy say? You can keep it. Their loan, your loaner is an owner. You can take it home with you if you like. And we're going to be looking at Romans 8 just ever so briefly as the beginning and then really where we're going. So keep your hand in Romans 8. Would you go to Ephesians 6? Now, both Romans and Ephesians are letters that were written to the churches after the resurrection of Jesus, if you're new to faith, if you're new to the Bible. And in these letters, we learn how to live the Christian life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the gospels that tell us about the life of Jesus, his words of truth and power that he came to heal and deliver and to save. And then the book of Acts tells us how we we go about as the church. And as the early church, we have that same infilling of the Holy Spirit to take the gospel into all the world. And to take the gospel into our neighborhoods and into our homes. To wherever our feet take step. But what I want you to look at is in Romans 8 and then Ephesians 6. And of course, I said I'm talking that whole time. In Romans 8... Verse 37, let's start there. If you have, these are just underliner verses in your Bible. If they're not yet underlined, please do so. He's, Paul says here, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And what are the, all these things he's talking about? He's talking about the persecution of the church. He's talking about Christians going to the lion's den. They're talking about Christians being tortured for their faith. This is no walk in the park they're facing in Rome. They're being highly persecuted. They're being ripped out of their homes. And they're being taken away. We get a little bit upset that somebody may laugh at our faith a little bit at work or or amongst our friends or they don't understand quite why we party like we used to and what's wrong with us. You know, to us, that's persecution. Well, no, that's just, you know, they just haven't yet seen. But persecution is what they were facing. And Paul had written earlier, you know, we're, we're like sheep going to the slaughter. But in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities or powers, and that's what I'm going to be talking about today, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the truth that we believe. Nothing can separate me from his love. His love is coming at me minute by second, by hour, by day, by year. It is constant. It is ever intentional. It is coming at you. I always think of this snowstorm I drove into once. And and the snow was just coming at a diagonal straight against the windshield. Do you know what I'm saying? You're driving into it. That to me was such a picture of God's love just driving into me. But what can separate us from it? None of these things. But yes, we can. I'm my own worst enemy. You, God wants you to not only know that he loves you, he wants you to feel his love. That's where I think a lot of Christians miss it. It's just a lot of theory out there. And there's a God that loves me. But the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can actually experience his love. And we need that when we're tired and we're lonely and we're, we're weary. And that is what the presence of the Holy Spirit is, is in our lives. 
But has anybody noticed that we live in kind of a strange age right now? Just a lot of stuff on the news. You know, what I want to say is anything new under the sun, no. I mean, in the last century, they faced uh, TB and influenza. I mean, that took people out by the millions. For us now, we hear it's Ebola. We hear about what's going on in the Middle East, but has that ever changed? I always think it proves the veracity of the Bible that God said from day one there would always be conflict there and there is. And because it's not a, it's not a nation against nation thing, it's a spirit against spirit thing, really. But he doesn't leave us defenseless to walk in this world. He gives us tools. Indeed, the Bible says he's given us everything we need in him. And so we're going to just look at one aspect of that. If we're more than conquerors, how do we live a conquering life? Not in the sense of vanquishing people, but how do we learn to live to rise above whatever faces us? Do you know, and I, again, I told the early service this, and I wasn't going to do it this time, and here I am again. It is six years ago today exactly that I was in the emergency room. And I went through that time of stage four terminal cancer diagnosis. Oh, you guys are sick of hearing it that have been around for a while. But six years ago today, and I went through that, I believe, to say our God reigns and is a healer. And there is nothing that he cannot fix, heal, save, or deliver from. Like I was telling you earlier, I was probably one of the most bound women I know, so bound up by insecurity, it played out itself in depression and an eating disorder and a fantasy thought life. I did not think I could be free. I knew in Jesus there was hope, and I knew the power of his spirit, and he had broken those things one by one. But some of them, when they took a little time and the struggle was fierce, I doubted. But, you know, I would read these verses. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved us. And I came to a place as I'm going to believe the, I'm going to believe the truth over every lie the enemy speaks to me. We'll talk about that in a minute. So what does he give us to live this life? Let's turn to Ephesians now. We're going to learn a little something here. Now, you just have to know that if you've, if you've been in church any length of time, you know this is a long series of teaching. We're doing this in about 20 minutes. So just know that I know that I'm dancing on the mountaintops of this. There are deep valleys and canyons where we could go and we could explore and learn. I'm just kind of feeding the top part of it and giving you some little, I hope, gold nuggets. And that's my prayer. Something for you to take home. But I hope that I hope that I hope that it raises questions that you will seek him for yourself. That you would want to hunger and thirst. And that's my prayer, Lord. Let that be released. I want to know this in the word for myself. Not just because Sue says it or that she reads it. But I need to know this. If this is the day and the hour and the times are dark and they're probably only going to get darker, not to be a fatalist. But I need to know all that I can to walk in the light of his love. Because I am more than a conqueror in him, no matter what I face. And even should I face death, it has lost its sting. You know, part of that, we came against the spirit of fear. You know, the ultimate, the ultimate root of fear is that fear of death. And Hebrews 2 tells us that when Jesus came, he set free the captive. That's not something we live under. And you, if, you know, you start breaking free of, you don't care what the enemy or the world can do to this body. 
you start to realize, you know what? I don't have to fear anything because he is in me. And that's all I need and that's all that matters. So let's look at Ephesians 6, verse, starting at verse 10. I'm sorry it's a little bit of a long passage, but we'll get through it quickly. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Not in your strength, not in your might, not your power, not your bank account, not your house. But be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Do you remember? That's what we read in Romans 8. He talked about principalities and powers. We'll discuss that in a minute. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, we're wrestling against the enemy's tactics. Therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So what is this armor? He says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, which, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Not just a few, not just some, just maybe on occasion. All the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication or prayers for all the saints. You know, he tells us, and again, if we've walked with Jesus at all, we know this, but we lose sight of it. I do, at least. He says our battle's not with flesh and blood. In other words, it's not with other humans. It's not with our husbands and our wives and our families and our co-workers and the people that just rub us the wrong way. That's the problem. We take our issues that. I just need to deal with this person. But having known that I know my own brokenness, And if you examine your heart, the brokenness of your own lives. We know that we know that we know people, let's put it this way, hurt people, hurt people. We do not wrestle with them. You're having trouble with your parents, your mother-in-law, your boss. It's not them. It's the brokenness that the enemy has created in their lives. You start to see them in the light of what Jesus has healed you from. And you start praying for them. And you start taking authority over the strongholds in their life that the enemy has captured. Now, one thing about the devil, and that's what we're, what we're talking about today, is that he only can take what we give him. Really, what we allow him. And that is the honest truth. And who is this adversary? Well, we're not going to go into, again, like a big teaching. But we know from Ezekiel that he was a beautiful created being of God, an angel that worshiped him in the heavenly places. But his own beauty captured his heart. And with free will, pride rose up. And he tried to take God's throne. Well, that's laughable. That just can't not be done. But God cast him and those other angels that assigned and aligned themselves in that spirit of pride. He cast them, it says, into outer darkness. Cast them down, out of heaven's throne. No longer to be there. A holy, righteous God 
in all his beauty, you know, holiness is really his beauty. The evil that corrupted the enemy could not stand in the face of that, and he was cast out. And so we see him again, we really first see him in the, in the Genesis story, the garden. And you have to know this stuff, otherwise you'll wonder why I struggle so much in life. And in that garden, Adam and Eve were given everything by God. They had perfect communion with the Father. Do you remember that they were naked and they were not ashamed? It was just pure union. Just a loving relationship. They were given dominion over all the works that God had created. All the animals. Randy talked about this a few weeks ago. Cataloging them and naming them. You know, assigning them duties. The lion laid down with the lamb. I always say it must have been a great thing to you know, go up and just pet a polar bear. <laughs> Come home and have lunch with me today. I'm kind of that way. I love animals. They probably had dominion over the, the stars and the, the, the weather patterns. It was all given to them. And God said, everything is yours. But be, they would just have been automatons if they had not had the opportunity to experience and say, no, God. This is where free will comes in. He, God said to them, you can have everything and you have dominion over things. But if you should partake of the knowledge of the truth, of tr- uh, the knowledge of the good of good and tree of evil. I'm saying this wrong. Knowledge of of evil. You shall surely die, and that we know is what happened. Now a lot took place in that moment of disobedience, in their desire to have more. And isn't this the enemy's lie to each of us? Oh, God's holding out on you. He's sure taken a long time. I think you need to help him out. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, surely God has passed you by. He's blessing all these people. He's doing a great work with John, but, you know, he's just passed you by. You've just messed up one too many times. This is the enemy. He's called the accuser in Revelation. And that's what he does best. Guilt trips, those are straight from his hand. That is not your loving father. Your father may correct you. But whenever Jesus corrects, there's always hope that's brought with it. There's always a way to be made out of whatever it is you're facing. I don't care how it is. If, if you were that person with an issue with pornography, it is, it's not, don't run from Jesus. Run to him. He will lead you out. But one thing that happened in that fall is all that dominion that man had, God-given, did not go back to God. It went back to the serpent. That's the part that's confusing to us. But the scripture is very clear, and Jesus talks about it, especially if you read the Gospel of John. This is the prince of the power of this, this world. This is the prince of this world. First John uh, 4.18, I believe it is, says the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. Now, this is not like an uplifting sermon, is it? It will get better, Okay. But you have to know that you have an adversary, and he has a little bit of power. He doesn't have a lot, but he has enough. And the more that we allow him to, he can take more. But when we start to stand, like Paul says, and we've got our armor on, which we're going to talk about, we start to learn how to resist him. But otherwise, we won't know what's going on in our lives. Is this you, God? Did I do this? We are in a battle zone. 
And the thing is, we can't, uh, you know, I, I know as Christians, I know I live this way. For, if I don't mess with the enemy, he will not mess with me. And it just doesn't work that way. We already are in the battle. Now, the point is, of this whole message is, are we going to put our armor on, or are we just going to be sitting ducks? You don't have to take anything that comes your way lying down in Jesus' name. When cancer, should it come knocking? When your kids get screwy on you and turn the other way? When the rent is due and you don't have it? Yes, there may be things that you need to do and put that in order. But when there's confusion about and you don't understand what's going on, you have to come to the Lord and say, Father, what's going on here? Because it very well could be the adversary just throwing some darts. Could we learn to put on the armor? Are you ready? Okay, let's go. Stand, therefore, having your waist girded with truth. You know, in that armor, the waist, the belt there, because that's really what it is. And I wished I'd worn one today. I keep pulling my pants up. Truth holds it all together. We have to arm ourselves with the truth. When I came out of all my stuff after I had wanted to leave my husband after 10 years of marriage and leave my family, and I mean, literally, I, was, I just wanted to run away, and I literally did run out the door. But, you know, I knew that I, ha- I couldn't leave Jesus. I'd had a profound experience with him. And even though I felt numb in my emotions toward my family, I knew the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what brought me back to come back home. I couldn't leave him. But as God began to heal me and rekindle a love for my husband and he for me, and he just did this wonderful thing. And you guys know we've just celebrated 40 years of marriage. And I'm married to the most wonderful man. I I almost threw it all away. I almost did. And now I have the heritage of grandchildren coming. That's the reason I'm not in Taiwan is so that I can, so I can spend, take my vacation time to help Jer and Dia when they have their baby. A miracle in itself. But when I came out of that and God was healing me, I said, well, how did I get so messed up? I was reading. I was in the word. I was a pastor's wife for crying out loud. And ever so subtly, so quietly, so gently, because when the Lord speaks, like I was saying, he's just ever so sweet and tender. You know, he's very firm, but he, he just let me know. And the words came in, you believed a lie rather than the truth. I'd never, ever been taught that. That's what I teach now. The bulk of the teaching I do outside of my church for women's retreats is to, to know the truth instead of the lies. Because every one of us, not just women, we believe a lot of lies that have been spoken to us from our earliest childhood on up. You start breaking those lies and you expose them for what they were and freedom comes. The bondages and addictions and stronghold that you have, we just deal with the surface. But I tell you, get to the lie, you break up what that original lie is. The enemy has no hold, and you'll find freedom. And it is a guarantee, it is written in the Word of God. And it's truth, His truth that girds us here. And it's not just truth of, again, mental assent, but saying, I receive this as a truth. So everything in my mind, in my heart, in my circumstances is telling me otherwise. That I'm worthless or I'm no good or I have no money or I have this or I don't have that or I whatever. But the truth is that Jesus loves me and him I trust. 
He said, I am already qualified and I stand. I don't feel it. I've sinned again. I've blown it again. But his blood has washed me clean. That is the truth. And we start believing the truth more than the lie. The enemy loses his grip. And that's why it's essential. It's the most centerpiece of that armor. Truth has to surround us. And the only way we can know the truth is really to know the truth of God's word. And I get that some of us aren't readers. I get that. Some of us, that's just not our thing. But I say to you, go get your little, get on your, you know, on your phone and just get a, what is it, my Bible app, you know, just have it spoken to you as you travel through the day. Just grab even one verse and make it your own. Let truth start to be needed into your life. Like I have a bread machine now, but back in the day I used to knead the dough. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Younger generation here. Just knead the truth into me so that when the lie comes, I know it for what it is. Truth is the belt that gathers around us. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The Greek word there really literally means God's righteousness. And we sang it in one of our songs, and it's in the scriptures. You know, in and of ourselves, we have no righteousness, right? Righteousness really means just doing the right thing. I mean, really, it's that simple. It's a big, fancy word to say, do the right thing. And to this day, I don't always do the right thing. But when I'm clothed with his righteousness... And I start to say, okay, I receive that, even though I just blew it. His righteousness is enough. It starts to set me free to become, to do those right things. You know, my husband, I, I, he's just, you know, he is just right. You're not going to meet a man of greater integrity or, or just doing the right thing, except maybe the speed limit. <laughs> Got a little bit of a lead foot. If anybody's ever followed him, you know. Yeah. But you know me, I will cut corners and cut corners. I will take the easiest route. And I want God, it's not, it's not that I'm trying to get prickly about this or, well, we got to be right, we got to do this. But I want to do the right thing in all situations. And that right thing is like a breastplate. And what does a breastplate cover? It covers your heart, where your emotions are. You know, it hurts to do the right thing sometime. I remember before I was married and I was a young girl and, and a, a young man would be attracted to me and my insecure heart, I would just immediately be drawn. But if they weren't a believer, I don't know, God's grace alone, I did the right thing. That's not a, when the Bible says don't be unequally yoked, it's not a hard, harsh rule. It's a protection. Guard my heart. If I do the right thing, I'm guarding my heart from harm. When I do the right thing in every situation, I'm, I'm protecting myself from untold just junk. Am I making sense? What are we guarding our heart with? Or is it just wide open exposed to anything that comes down the pike? No, put on our breastplate of his righteousness, his goodness alone, not ours. Not even trying, but just really, Lord, take it over me. Guard my heart. And I choose to guard my heart. Part of the armor. What's next? If I miss something, let me know here. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I alluded to it earlier. Feet are where we stand, right? 
Our shoes are what we stand in. It's what I poured hot water all over today. Our armor here is in knowing the truth about who we really are in Christ. I've told this many times before. In my brokenness, in my depression, and and just could not control my thoughts, I kept trying. I'm going to do better, Lord. I'm going to do better. Does anybody have anything in their life? I promise I won't do it again. I won't do it again. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Am I the only one that's ever done that? I'm so sorry. I got angry again. I yelled at the kids again. I said I wouldn't do it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I kept reaching and reaching. But the, the Bible is so clear. It's where we stand that we find our victory. Even in our unworthiness, he says, I'm qualified to be his child. Merely by the love of God in my life and my receiving it by faith. So that if that's my posture, that where I stand, when I've got these shoes on, of the gospel, that when I walk into my workplace, I know I'm his child. That makes a difference to everybody around me. I start living like, this is the truth. I'm not, now on the outside, I might not look like I have it all together, but this is who I am, and this is where I'm standing from. He tells me in Colossians, I've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and placed in the kingdom of the son of his love. That's all a a foot stance. We take his gospel wherever we go. How beautiful and how lovely are the feet of them that bring good news, Isaiah tells us. What's next? Above all, taking the shield of faith. That is the thing that quenches every fiery dart of the enemy. You know, I have four people in my life right now because of some outside sharing things. Uh, Marjorie and Eileen and I prayed for a woman about a month ago. You know, God showed up in a big way. We sensed the Lord in his power in that moment, literally setting this woman free. But I, I mean, I'm just being honest. Two days later, she was kind of just back in the pit. And there comes a time, and we were all three of us speaking to her. She's been a Christian a long time, but she's allowed so many lies that it's so hard for her to believe the truth. It's so hard for her to have faith. And yes, there's not a one of us in this room that's a Christian that hasn't had a crisis of faith and really wondered, right? But there's something that's something that I have been captured by him, and I can't let go. Even in my darkest hours, the world didn't appeal to me. What has the world ever done for me? Only Jesus alone. And even though that was just the the little hair breadth of faith, it was enough to ignite God's moving in my life. So when we face stuff, and there's not a one of us that we may be in a good place today, but you know what? Life happens. I could say another word. (laughs) Life happens. And what's going to quench the fiery darts of the enemy is that shield of faith. How do you build up faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It again goes back to this book. It's just a book in and of itself, isn't it? We're not like other religions, like they flip out if it gets burned or set on the floor. Because we know it's not the book itself. It's the spirit that's breathed upon its words. And, and Jesus himself says, you know, my word is your bread. 
And yet for many years as a Christian, I would live on a cupcake. You know, like you feed your body. You couldn't live on a cupcake, but that's what we do when we just eat on Sunday mornings when somebody spoons us his word. Again, this isn't a guilt trip thing, but there's such power here in the breath of this. And it'll breathe faith into you. and It'll be your shield. And then how you grow your faith. Just start trusting him with some of the details of your life. Your finances. I don't know how this is going to get paid this month, but I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to be wise. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm not going to be frivolous or foolish. But I'm going to trust you with this. This child that I can't seem to control I want to hear this week, this day. I'm only taking one day at a time. I'm going to trust that you will give me wisdom in this hour how to deal with it. You take a little step of faith, and then it'll become a bigger place. You take another step of faith. You see God comes through. Faith is the thing that unlocks his key. Worship, you know, we've been learning about worship. Worship really is about for us because it just gets our eyes on his greatness. But you know what makes the heart of the father happy is faith. Just your simple childlike trust. And when we don't have it, just like that man that came to Jesus, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. He loves those prayers. But this is your food to feed you up and to build faith. That's that shield. We're winding down. The helmet of salvation Salvation in the original Greek there, soteria, is deliverance, preservation, soundness, wholeness, prosperity in the sense of well-being. Boy, the enemy would attack our thought lives in this day. He certainly did mine for many years. And I'm not saying that the battle's over because that's the point of the armor. That Just as God's love is consistently coming at us, the enemy puts up a fight too. But if we're wise and we know that and we have our armor on, and on this one, we put our helmet on, you know what? I'm going to guard my thoughts today. You know, if a thought comes my way, and it doesn't sound like the Lord, because I know everything the Lord says to me is love and good. It's not doubt, fear, anger, bitterness, guilt. That's not Jesus. When has that ever been the Lord? Have you ever read the Gospels? That's not him. The foulest, as it were, of sinners. He, he would just reach out his hand to them and extend health and wholeness. Go and sin no more and give them the power to do it. If a thought comes my way that doesn't line up with what Jesus is saying, and even if I want to think it, even if I'm tempted, even though I'm tempted to look, take a second look at somebody, Or I'm tempted to pick up a magazine that "Mm, probably isn't the best for me in this moment. You know what? I just don't have to receive this. I'm going to guard what I place before my mind. We're not heavy-handed. I hope not. I don't think we are at all. And I don't feel like we're an intrusive church. If anything, you you can go to a real controlling church. I don't feel like we're like that. I think that's our bounty. We just want the Holy Spirit to speak into each person's life. It's between you and the Lord how you conduct life outside. We're here to help and to nurture and pick up the pieces with you and and lead you to hopefully a deeper walk with Jesus. 
But just saying, what are we putting before our eyes that fills our minds? You know, I have images from movies way back when and books that I read not that long ago that will come back to me out of nowhere. No, it would have been so much easier if I would just not allowed myself that in the first place. Am I making sense? I'm going to put my helmet on. It's going to be a good-looking helmet. I'm going to guard my thoughts today. You know, if I'm in the break room and they start really complaining about work and stuff, you know, this time I'm going to walk away. I may agree, but I'm going to walk away. I just don't need them. I don't need to join that conversation. I don't need that in my mind right now. I want to bring light and hope and joy and happiness. I don't want to bring a downer spirit. I'm putting my helmet on. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's all I've talked about today, isn't it? When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he spoke the Word directly back to the devil. He spoke from New Te- oh, I mean Old Testament scriptures back at the enemy. It is your biggest armor. And the Word of God is our sword. It's our only offensive weapon. You know, everything about the armor is defensive in the sense that, uh, no, we're not sitting ducks, but as we go into battle, we're protected. The only weapon we have, it's not the words of our mouth being harsh to our husband or our wife, but it's the word of God saying, I'm speaking love and light and hope over my marriage. I'm willing to be changed, Lord Jesus, so I can be all that I can be to bring your love into the center of this home. I bring the word of God. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. That was a scripture out of Psalm 107. I just spoke to my mind because I just thought I was going crazy for a while there. He has not given me, for those of you that raised your hands earlier today about fear, he has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. That's scripture. There's times you just have to bathe yourself. When you're in the midst of an anxiety attack and all hell is breaking loose and you feel so fearful, you stand there and you hold on that word and you speak it out loud. Let your voice hear it. I am not filled with a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. This isn't the power of positive speaking. It's the power of God's work to just spear the enemy. And we can't do it if we don't know it, even just a little bit. And it's so stinking big. This is a big, fat book. How do you eat an elephant? Just one bite at a time. Take one nugget and make it your own. Again, nobody can do this for you. You alone have to make that decision of faith. I can't make you read it. It's your decision. And my prayer is that it's not just head knowledge, but it just breathes life into you. That it's I just look at Chinky because it's just, just when that seemed to me, when you had that transformation in your life, it just totally turned your life upside down. I can't get enough because he speaks to me and I hear his voice to me in this situation for today. That is my sword. You can face anything the world, hell throws at you, even your own failings with the power of his word. One last one. Praying with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful till this end. And it's not really listed as the armor. I want to turn here in my uh, Bible. I closed it up. But I want to read you a note. That's in my Bible that I have just loved. I've turned to it many times. 
It's by a man named Dick Eastman who has a big prayer ministry. It's what he does. He loves to go and just teach people how to dig deep and find intimacy with God and find power in prayer. And he says here in this note, he says, prayer is not so much a weapon or even part of the armor that we put on. It is the means, however, in which we engage in the battle. And it is the place where the battle takes place. It is the purpose for which we were armed. We talked earlier about our, our wrestling is not with flesh and blood. And it's so much easier to get mad at each other, isn't it? Or mad at someone. I want to tell you, redirect your anger against the one who's really at fault here. You're worried about your kid today or your marriage or your finances. Don't run around. Don't try. Just don't try to screw. Don't read every self-help book. Not that they're not good. You know where the battle is going to be won? It's going to be won on your knees. We wear the armor and we do battle on our knees. The thing that's so cool about it, it's not this prayer of religion where that's, you just go and you pray and it's rote and, you, and it's just repeated. It's not that. But what will happen to you is it'll start to get exciting. Jesus will meet you there in that place of prayer and you will want to go back. The power of the Holy Spirit is such you will want that infilling. Again, I say it a million times, there's no high like the most high. And when he says to pray in the spirit, it definitely is spirit-led prayer. And I'm just going to say this briefly, but it's really, if you read the intent of all of Paul's letters, it is probably prayer in your spiritual prayer language or what the Bible would call tongues. And for some of you who have received your gift and, and some that have just, this is new to you and you don't know what I'm talking about, we're going to teach on it probably within the next few weeks or after the first of the year. But some of you have been lax in praying in your prayer language. Stir it up because it's powerful. Stir it up. Don't put it aside as a least gift. It is the gateway to the other gifts. And if that intrigues you at all, please, please come talk to me or to Randy or to Chris or to Lauren, and we'll pray with you to receive it. It's for every believer. It is for your building up, but it's a hotline. It's a dedicated line to the throne room. The Holy Spirit within you praying in a language that you do not know to the throne of God. Pray in all prayer in the Spirit and pray with your understanding. The best teaching I ever got on prayer is if, if let's say, Furlan, you have an issue, pray what you Know about the situation, you know what you know about it. You pray what you sense about this situation, and then you pray in the spirit. You got it all covered. So, this is the armor of God. Can we end reading again? And I can read it to you if you've already flipped away. Romans. I, th- I pray, Lord, this is my prayer, Lord, that as I read this, that you can just see it. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I hope you feel a little more prepared today. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities or powers. And those are the, those are the enemy's little minions that do their, his little, their little bidding. Nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me. From the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Could we just for fun, 
I wasn't planning on doing this as we end. Could we stand and could we put our armor on? Would that be cool or stupid? It's probably stupid, but that's okay. I don't care. Randy's not here. We're going to be stupid together, okay? You know, my mom died at 92 six years ago, and even in her old age, she would, she would wake up in the morning, and her prayer time was, was before she got out of bed. It was all quiet and still, and for her, that was her place. And one time I asked her, Mom, you were in there a long time. She said, well, every morning I put my armor on before I get up. What if we put our armor on before we walked out the door? Okay, you guys. Let's gird our waist with truth, his truth. Let's put on our breastplate of righteousness. Let's buckle it up. Let's attach it. It's going to cover my heart. I'm going to guard my heart and the things I expose myself to. Let's put on our shoes. Let's put on our, my, these feet were made for walking. God, that just shows how old I am. Okay, I was like in junior high, Okay. His feet are made for walking. Above all, take the shield of faith. Can you lift your shield high? Enemy, whatever you throw at me, my own failings, you know what? I'm lifting up the banner of Jesus over this right now. Whatever, you know, whatever it is you are facing right now, you need victory in. You hold that up with your shield. Lord, I just speak release into every situation that's being thought of in their minds that the shield of faith will carry them through this because you are enough, Lord. The shield of faith that he is enough and put on the helmet of salvation. I don't think you're supposed to do this, but let's tie a little bow. (laughs) Gary, I'm not seeing your bow. You're not. Some people, just saying, don't want to play along, okay? Okay. And we're going to take our sword. If you got your phone or whatever, I'm taking my sword. This is my sword. Not to hack people, not to hit them over the head, right? We got that. This is against the enemy. This is against my own fears. I'm my own worst enemy most of the time. And I need this. And let me tell you, when I was going through that cancer thing, there were several times. And I always say I really went through it without fear. I didn't. Except there would be times before I'd go to bed where an anxiety would start to rise. And I remember just so many times saying, Randy, I've got to go downstairs. And I just got, I just got to be with Jesus for a minute. And I would go over the scriptures he gave me until I felt that peace flood my soul again. That's how you do that. It's very easy. This is my sword. And then I'm going to pray. I'd say, I'm not, you know, I saw the little kids in that picture. But, you know, I love to pray wide open. Lord, I commit myself to doing battle for my family on my knees rather than in their face. I want to wear out my knees rather than my tongue, Lord. And Jesus, help me to keep this armor on at all times that I might not only walk through this life victorious, but I can take droves of others. Lord, I pray this will be a church of freedom fighters, of taking uh, back the captive, to rescuing those that are lost. Move in our midst, Lord. Just have your way.
This is recording number 11128 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Foursquare Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, October 26, 2014. This message is by guest speaker, Sue Bolt.